0: And we're live. Welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Zars Podcast, and I'm your only host today, Nate. Uh, dude, I got Beyond Top Secret Texan <laughs> back on for part two. We're, do- we're going hard, man. We're going to have a good time. How are you, my brother?
1: No problem at all, man. Right on. Uh, we're going to have a great fucking episode on this one. Beyond Top Secret Texan here. Thank you for having me back for a part two. Thank you. Uh, I loved the first time I was on here. We had a pretty uh, badass show. And hoping to repeat that kind of, uh, that, that kind of like, uh, you know, success in that information that upload, download, however you want to call it, you know, uh, channeling this SSB information, I think is super awesome. And that's what I live for. So if you want more of it, if you want to follow my episodes, check out link tree slash beyond top secret text, which will bring you to all my social media sites. will bring you all to the, um, podcast platform sites. will bring you to my YouTube, uh, you know my own personal website, etc. All of it's there on Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Text, and you can check out the archives of old episodes, hundreds of episodes on the podcast, uh, hundreds of episodes on YouTube videos. I post videos every day on Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, etc. So go check out those for uh, dark web UFO evidence, evidence of the paranormal, etc. And my own uh, unique takes on these phenomena all phenomena of the paranormal but i also have a lot of personal experiences specifically with ufos what we would know as the ufo phenomenon the uh, specifically the secret space program alien inductions close encounters all that hardcore shit so check that out through beyond top secret texan welcome aboard everybody who takes that dive into the deep end out there in dreamland thank you all very much fucking
0: a man you've done actually quite a bit to like uh open my mind up to aliens and things like that, because for the longest time, and and I still, dude, I'm on the fence. I, I keep going back and forth, whether or not like human beings can get outside of the firmament. It's that whole like concept of like, uh, man, it's hard for me to, to like. Interesting,
1: interesting concept. I, I get brought up yeah. that a lot. I didn't plan to get addressed this, but I do get brought that a lot up, especially in these more hardcore circles about the firmament and about that understanding of it um the progress on the firmament needs to be kind of made that one the uh, barrier the description of the bubble that we're in is also reproduced in the literature of the ssp through the ashtar high commands dome uh people like uh alex collier for example talk about how there's an energy dome like Reagan Star Wars Where it's literally a, a High frequency energy dome That acts yeah. exactly Like an analog For the flat earth firmament And Because it's
0: energy, We tried an Operation Fishbowl, correct? Yeah, we tried to I, blow the hell out of it And we an couldn't put a dent in it
1: An impenetrable, yeah. very real Very tangible dome That acts like a literal Glass barrier Like an aquarium tank Against yeah. us from the outside universe. This is to prevent alien invasion. It's absolutely created by aliens as well. But there are access points. And even Interesting. in the literature and engineering of uh, NASA, for example, uh, the satanic NASA, the Freemasonic NASA, they talk about Lagrange points. And Lagrange points are certain access points in the Earth's atmosphere, stratosphere, or whatever, between the ozone layer and our atmosphere, also the ozone layer, in scientific Freemasonic literature, which we know as just science, another uh, Rockefeller uh, House, de your science, right? Like uh, that is considered the barrier, a firmament, because the ozone gas it acts as a lighter than air, but uh, extremely caustic, poisonous, corrosive uh, meteorites traveling at thirty thousand kilometers a second and or whatever can't get through the fucking ozone layer because it burns them up whenever a a spaceship the columbia for example goes into it just a little bit wrong without the appropriate thermals it gets absolutely disintegrated and that is the firmament that's the thing like so when people say well the firmament the firmament is actually analogously discussed in many different ways. The firmament, you're you're right in thinking the firmament is there, keeping shit from coming in and keeping us from going out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, you know, but there are Lagrange points, there are access points, there are windows in this system that are controlled by the intelligent designers, the intelligent designers of the system, allowing for the people they allow, the SSP exit. As well as those that already know where to go for the exit, et cetera. And this is a big point because as mentioned before, the cabal, the there is a group of people who are not allowed into space who know full well this information and are trying desperately to get into space. These are your Jeff Bezos types, your Elon Musks, your uh, your Richard Branson's, and explains why a lot of their fail and why, uh, NASA for example hasn't been back to the moon or even tried because they Understand that any mission is impossible and all is suicidal. The Chinese for example have lost Dozens of their long March rockets which are crewed with about I think, three or four astronauts a piece Trying this effort to get to the moon uh, they do so completely in secret But the crashes are being filmed with more frequency uh, because, you know, they're just desperate. They are really, really desperate into trying to break through the firmament. And you can't do it through brute force. It is an extraterrestrial barrier. It's a weapon. And it's been there since the war against the reptilians when they locked in the reptilians into earth and they basically how they fought was created this energy barrier, like a net and then tightened it around the world. And then eventually they just were able to handle It's much easier to handle a force when I can't leave. And this is 100% how they defend their territories. So it's just the control and expansion of these force fields. And to say, to say force field, people are like, okay, that's science fiction. It's a force field. It absolutely is a force field. Um, you know, there's there's no there, there's no reason to scoff and in fact like I have a deep respect for the golden age of science fiction and its various tropes because that's absolutely 100% describing in a in a rather earnest way what these things are. They are direct energy weapons formed into bubbles and shields you know formed into to bubbles specifically to shield objects within them. They are a force shield, they are a force field, and they are tractor beams, you know, they are they are attractor beams. You beam something direct energy-wise and it magnetizes and you can bring something in, you control something's uh, you know, gravitational density, you know, with a gravity beam and stuff like, like I said disintegrate weapons, that's neutronian uh, electric electro hypercharging, where basically you are breaking the strong nuclear bonds within bodies. But yeah, the force field, the firmament, absolutely exists. Mike, what's your thoughts on this, man? As to speak.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. What's your thoughts on this? So, like, if you listen to the Gnostics, they'll talk very much so that, like, we are in a prison planet and things like that. Do you think that uh, when they're talking about, like, uh, man, what what the heck do they call them? The Demiurge, right? They're talking about this, like, uh, this god, this, like, evil god that has imprisoned them. Are they talking? Are they? Do they? Do they just have like a? Uh, are they talking about the firmament being like the prison cell? Are they talking about like the galactic the Ashtar? Uh, are they talking about them being the demiurge and they're just like getting a like imprisoning demi-urge them? And my or
1: pursuits, oh, Sorry, sorry. The, the demiurge and my Gnostic pursuits was the reptilian orion draco fabricators yeah he out. looks like a reptilian for sure it's a snake with a lion's head so are they
0: around. blaming are they blaming the reptilians for the force field are they blaming them for the firmament is that the prison cell or where's that gnosticism, am i making wrong connections gods.
1: yeah in gnosticism <laughs> yeah. there are two gods abraxas and the demiurge yeah Now, abraxas doesn't get spoken about very much they're both reptilian. But in nature, in this in description, but in the essence of them, there is a solar savior, a savior of enlightenment, and then the demiurge who produces darkness and the material realm of um, that we exist in the matrix, basically. Right. And it has many names. Maya, uh, you know, uh, basically it is the perceived sensible world around us which is false illusionary inferior and a specific creation of an inferior weaker creative force in this universe where our is the superior creative force of solar system of suns where we are in a material material dark planet with like you know perpetual night uh, considered the perpetual day you know, and things like that, right? Our suffering is lo- milked, is loosed specifically by the demiurge to help propagate and create the polemma. I believe it's called polemma of the uh, of the uh, material realm of death and war and reincarnation and endless strife and suffering and lack and despair and things like fear, uh, things like that, right? Basically. There is no easier way to describe the reptilian Orion Draco rule on Earth than the Demiurge, where they created yeah. through their psionics and through their incredible technology all aspects of our sensed and perceived reality, hid themselves away, but constantly architected and engineered all our suffering and loss and pain and misery through their puppeting of literally what we saw as reality. And they acted as a god, but they were inferior and basically uh, imperfect, uh, you know, imperfect charlatan god, right? Like a, a false imposter go- god, uh, for, for lack of a better term, a Satan, which is, the, the, yeah. which is basically the Demiurge. But the idea of Satan also represents this as well, a, a draconic wing figure of ma- the material plane, this world plane. Now, the Gnostics spoke not from the outside looking in, but they spoke from the inside looking out. Mm -hmm. And so they are also within this plane of inferior description and and knowledge and know this truth is uh, mistranslated. So they did their best through allegory. But all they could see were the reptilian matrix that was given to them. And this is in their best words, you know, why we... Have I see the Gnostics are not perfect, and I think that one point the Gnostics are like the middle ages of the SSP ufology disclosure idea, which is they were calling into question back in like the 1300s, you know, if the 1300s even existed, you know, because that's another
0: question, yeah. Yeah, So, no,
1: so yeah, Yeah. they were were talking back then that something was going on as their code, it's coded because something was going on, there's censorship, the Catholics were killing them as they so they had to do their best. And it's not like you can look at a Gnostic text and go, that's the answer. It is, yeah. It is no, detailed, I don't detailed, and
0: agree it's also with the Gnostics on everything. I just think that they have really <coughs> interesting uh, observations. Uh, they, observation, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're very interesting, man. Like a oh, so lot so of them brilliant. are fucking brilliant. Yeah, I so like brilliant. to talk to Gnostic folks. Um, and, and what I was going to ask then is so, um, gosh darn it, what the heck is the other guy's name? Oh, Braxis. Okay. So you were talking to me uh, when we first talked about this, we were talking about how the reptilians, uh, maybe they originated on this planet. Maybe they didn't, but they came here a hell of a long time ago. Right. And they they were here before man. Right. And so when, when man was here, uh, they took the role as our gods. Right. And so like so many of our uh, legends and this and that go back to these reptilians who were pretending to be our gods. Right. Yeah. So we, so the Demiurge was one of these reptilians that were trying to like hijack our louche, trying to like control us, trying to like, you know, make us worship him and make us think that he was like, you know, God. Was Abraxas a different sect? Like, was there different sects of reptilians at the time? Were they like fighting amongst each other? Were they like uh, like the Crips and Bloods You know that sort of the, thing
1: The uh, Brexus was the representation of the Ashtar High Command Okay w- But was
0: he them. also a Reptilian? No,
1: the Ashtar High Command is Oh see, like I said, these aren't really but, one-on-ones These are uh, Venusians Are the uh, leaders Slash Chief race of the Ashtar High Command, but there are—it's a confederation of multi-species. That's what I was going to ask. It's like—are
0: there any like Draco reptilians that actually work for the Ashtar High Command? There are.
1: There are actually good good point to make up. Uh, I've spoken about the friendly Draco. There are a number of Draco who are returning to their homeland, Earth, after being exiled. You know, through the war uh, against their will. This is a clan-based society the best way to see their society and i'm not making this up is from the greatest source of disclosure ever made that's stargate sg1 that Dude, is
0: literally i love that show i watched the fuck Third out of it episode
1: <laughs> where they are telling you this is real life and this is how tv shows are. like when there was a, literally a show where a writer is a alien and in hollywood yep. and goes yep. down to the bunker to write the because it's all the Air Force paid for it. If you look it up, the Air Force funded seven full seasons of this, or six seasons of it, because it got canceled on Showtime, and the Air Force was like, no, you fucking put that back on TV. We are not done. We are not done t- telling you about the Prometheus and about this, like, you know, we are we are building... That, it, and yes, you can say that there was a generational gap of 20 to 30 years, so what was really going on that was, like, in their 50s and 60s, right? But the way that they described the Ga'ul or the Jaffa, uh, that clan-based system of feudal and ancient—it's very familiar to us because it's how our empires used to be created. You know, so it's funny. Like as there's fuck, many different man. emperors. They, there's many different emperors, but there's only one humanity. So uh, with the rise the thing, there's different those... empires. There's different imperial emperors who yeah. are m- much more eager to fight each other for their territories and view us as cattle, not even as just human slaves, but as livestock. So just like you stole your enemies' horses, they'd steal people's populations. They just take entire towns, raid them in the middle of the night, and take them for sacrifice. Just like you would take your enemy's livestock. You know, and it's not even they didn't even consider us equal on the species level as other slaved reptilians. And just like how we are very familiar with this through the imperial ancient world mindset, we did not create that world. We only served as puppets or actually like monkey see monkey do mimicking through just their example, how we saw organization. Once we were out of their you know, like um, there are many different populations of humanity. Some existed entirely within the Orion Draco societies in their cities. We've never heard those stories because they didn't get to leave or survive. We only heard and survived from the remnants of people who were so far on the outskirts that we were like not directly within the crossfire or where their cities were destroyed or on the surface instead of basically like the the generations following escaped slaves like imagine that in connection to your former enslaved areas like yeah we are we were actually on purpose the descendants of refugees and like escaped slaves like we are that that's why we are allowed to now look around and go what the fuck is going on like, like, And actually think for ourselves, because we are three or four generations, because like I said, the Great Reset happened in the 1800s, away from that, finally, like just now, America's only about three full uh, adult lifetimes long, about three full 100-year periods. That's about three full true generations, not or a generation every five years. That's babies having babies. You know, that's 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 not what we're talking. We're talking about like three full like, wow, we've actually been able to rationalize and understand where we're coming from. And we're modern human beings now. But no, everything back then, England, Europe, all of South America, all of uh, Asia, especially Asia, especially Asia, existed in a mindset that is so totalitarian, you couldn't even look the emperor in the eyes. You couldn't even be in the same room with him if you were a commoner. And and that is not an exaggeration. We're talking like Tower of Babel in the West like as a reference. That's like the emperor of China in the 1800s. The emperor of Japan in World War II where the people had never heard his voice type yeah. mindset. That's a, that, so people have a firm rooted genetic memory of how these empires ran. As evil, this evil incarnate, right? Or if you talked bad about the king, they cut your tongue out, yeah, and then kill you in an extremely brutal way, like boil you alive, or and hang your body from like a bridge, and like you know, think of how Rome operated in the Bible or even in real life where it's like they would just crucify slaves who wanted to rebel and then every like for miles there'd just be human bodies rotting that's fear that's terror that's pure state evil that is the world where the gnostics lived that's the world where the gnostics began that's the world that they were seeing and trying to interpret so yeah absolutely they did their yeah. best but that's what i'm saying too is that the demiurge that evil mind that evil world is 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 much more evil than it's given uh, appreciation or understanding for because we are the escaped generation, uh, generations of the escapees. You know, it's hard to explain to people and put them in that mindset again. And it's it's, it's kind of you know, like it's, it, you have to um, you have to kind of give that like they're just too innocent. People now are just too naive and innocent to truly appreciate how evil these reptilians were. You know, and that's the thing. Like, these reptilians were absolutely um, the greatest enemy for mankind. They're from Earth. They evolved on Earth. They helped our evolution out. And the reason why we're here is because they split us out of our original form, like we split dogs out of canines.
0: Well, see, that's what I was going to ask. So, um, as far as like who are the Anunnaki, were they the reptilians?
1: The Anunnaki or were, were they, the
0: Ashtar. They were the Ashtar, okay. And I, I'm going to write that down so I don't forget that. That's who the Anunnaki were.
1: They were humanoid. They fought the dragon. Um, In the artwork, there is a really important one where it's the dragon were? being fought by Gilgamesh with the uh, trident, and he's got the he's got the trident pulled back and uh, the lightning bolt. It represents the lightning bolt, and Tiamat is fleeing, and that is absolutely part of the Anunnaki uh, myth cycle is the Arrival and there's a war in heaven There's an arrival of a Different pantheon Of beings who are fighting Tiamat who is literally the God of chaos and the God of the ocean and r- Literally creates Dragons and monsters to Fight these gods who arrive On the moon Like that's l- like if you Break down yeah the, the ask the Anunnaki, Literally this explains so much and it's absolutely in there, but there is a split between the Astra High Command represented as the Anunnaki and the Orion Draco was represented by Tiamat. And okay. the Sumerians were one of the first independent societies. Now, the breeding process for uh, mankind that created this is very interesting because in the Sumerian mythologies, they even admit that they had to be created from these beings that humanity started to fully exist as it does now back then. Like so, in- were
0: we seated by the Anunnaki? Did they like take us? We were a slave race. Did they did they increase our intelligence? Did they do something to help us? Was that something that happened?
1: Every extraterrestrial has humanity is not one monolithic species, it is actually one hundred and twenty different subspecies that are so like each other that they're lumped in by just the layman as one major species. That's enforced there's, there's a lot,
0: lot of racists that would love to hear that. I, I'm not I'm not I know, I know, I know. saying it I'm as a racist saying. way, but I am saying it they're as like, a... they really this are, this are different
1: truth. species. This is the truth, people don't want to hear is that in the yeah. animal kingdom. If animals had this divergence, they would be considered a different species. Not to say we're not compatible, but a striped bass and a white bass can mate to form hybrids, but they are considered by say, etiologists who are scientists as two separate uh, genealogies, two separate phylum, right? Now, humanity has this idea that, exactly, of, well, if you're a person, that's all we're gonna consider, right? You got the five fingers, you got the two eyes, two ears, uh, blood, we're good, but in reality, we really break it down. There's a reason why those uh, genetic diversities and different ethnicities exist, and it's absolutely through the breeding programs not created by mankind and not created through geologic, uh, geographic isolation, uh, through wandering tribes and migrating diaspora. That's even, I think, more racist is to think that the Asiatics and the, the Chinese, for example, Han Chinese. Look like the Han Chinese because they only fucked each other. Family members only fucked each other, and they only like to look like that until the progressive, internationalist, globalist, uh, cosmopolitan. Hey, everyone should fuck everyone else. That—that's how we would. That, that yeah, the thought never occurred to him. That thought never occurred to a Japanese person to go mate with a Korean or to go a little bit south and mate with an Aboriginal Australian. Just to kind of mix it up a little bit. Thought never occurred to them. Yeah, you're so, not you, but like I was saying, like you're so progressive that black and white people should bang each other. Yeah, I, what's wrong with the Africans for living and just being banging black people for thousands of millennia, right? And to form their own communities and, you know, like what's wrong with them? Those racist Africans in the Congo, <laughs> You know, like only doing pygmies, branch out a little bit. He's <laughs> like, branch out a little bit. Get a little bit, get a little something that's strange, you know? Like, uh, no, but it's the idea that all these different groups, so why are there so many individual different groups? It's because there obviously was a master or overlord creating specific pockets of these populations, Right. Just like how dog breeders breed um, very tall dogs like greyhounds, but some dog breeders breed very small companion dogs, and it's because these are equal, like equal projects, intelligent breeding projects, right? The dogs don't have the say in it, and it's it's wrong to put the responsibility into the dog. But eugenists in America, which is the birth of eugenics unit and i'm not saying eugenics is good because it has a because all that controversy and i don't care about the controversy i'm saying eugenics was a study and the rockefeller institute was the biggest funder of eugenics it was value was probably a, still are it, it didn't go away it did not yeah. go away it's called uh, the human genome project that's what it became it became literally 23 and me That is genetics, that is eugenics. It is the uh, tracing of human genealogies and pedigrees, right? To try to understand what the physical science of humanity is. They marked in 1930 after a survey, a biological survey, or the earliest type of a medical survey in America was in the 1930s, that late in the game, that they were dealing with 120 different specific ethnicities that were as distinct from each other, as blacks and whites, 120 different individual yeah. types of people. Very interesting. Very interesting. They didn't so, all arrive on boats. They didn't all be brought here from slave ships. They are from here. That's the thing that, that we, the idea of there are thousands, then thousands of different human beings and, and like say different kinds of populations all across the world who are not uh, interchangeable at all valuable. All But think, this is a project. You can tell that there's genetic engineering. Then you look at the junk DNA. You look at the genetic uh, chromosomes and stuff. Human beings are clearly, clearly artificially constructed and bred. And this is because this is what intelligent species do to livestock. We create cows. We create sheep. The cows you see on a farm aren't natural. That's not yeah. the product of Mother Nature. That's the product of... uh McDonald's, the product of a highly orchestrated pedigree program that, if you actually read the literature, it filled volumes in libraries of universities. I went to Texas AM University. One of the funniest things about that school is they created the pecan. There are entire college, like, library hallways filled with pecan literature.
0: What was the pecan made of? Like, from
1: I I the walnut. Exactly, the man. walnut. And it was like, they they yeah. made purple carrots, they've made purple blue bonnets. This is, the, this is the child's play to them. The creation of these genetical programs, right? This is not something that's saying, like, oh you're a racist if you if you even care about genetics. This is extremely important. The elite know it. The well they let
0: know. you they let you explore it when it comes to like viruses or fruits. Broccoli or plants, broccoli's yeah. broccoli's is fake, example. yeah. Hundred percent, yeah. A banana doesn't look anything like, like what it originally looked like, yeah. I, yeah. I, now, I'm a culinarian, so I understand those things. That's yeah, the that's the it's fascinating. Um
1: That's the gateway uh, into all this. You but see, it when blood. it
0: comes to humans, and you start talking about this talking stuff, about all of a sudden you're a piece of shit, and maybe you kind of are because I don't like the whole playing god thing, but it, it is interesting. But I wanted to ask you but next. So. True. The, exactly the Anunnaki, it is. It's plain God, which is fascinating. So the Ashtar High Command were the Anunnaki. Who were the Adame and the Ajiji?
1: The Adame and the Ajiji? Oh, those are the uh, two early species of man? Yes, now we're getting into the Yeti-Mankind twinship slash brotherhood. So,
0: so were they more Anunnaki that, than man, and that's why they were different?
1: Or well, they were, once you get into this... Uh, how much divinity how much alien dna goes into either or which one is more alien or not i actually think we come from the same species i think though that our uh, evolution like there was
0: one hominid at one point or not hominid i guess but
1: like yeah and we all original, and i can't see that far back and the record is very hidden you could say Gigantopithic is blacky if you need a placement proxy and say from gigantic. But, can't but get you're there.
0: talking about okay. I'm sorry, but I thought you were talking about like uh in the universe there was like one being, and then everyone broke off from him because well, it, it is kind of interesting.
1: That yeah, might they, actually be the case. That might be uh, the case because um, I'm I actually practice and have been researching a lot to Hindu right into the Vedas and things like that, and they speak very much like that. There is an original intelligence named brahma and then there's vishnu who comes from brahma and then vishnu everything spritz from vishnu everything is vishnu everything is this uh avatar of vishnu so i understand the idea of one full one now just to get into the idea we were going to talk about the uh, the bigfoot and the human uh connection i think that's what you wanted to lead into with the adama and the Ajiji, which is two different kinds of people it's like a gilgamesh and then the the savage hairy man who was his companion and friend right and while gilgamesh was on his journey for immortality uh the hairy man he had to civilize but was also he used his strength he used his friendship and he used his virtues right and how did he civilized him but through gilgamesh's society which was prostitution and wine right like women dancing women and wine but the idea was that uh i think it was inky and Lil too in the uh bible um uh, no, inky and ll in the uh in the um the Sumerian text, Sumerian right? text, and in the yeah. Bible, it's um, um, who there is there is a uh, he's the one who cut guilt um he's the one who killed uh the king Babel who's Babel um hold on one second I'm, see I got everything yeah yeah, yeah.
0: killed Nebuchadnezzar
1: uh, ancient literature gone but the guy who built King Babel Nimrod. Nimrod Nimrod there you go Tower of Babel Nimrod got his head cut off by the wild man and the wild man caught him while he was hunting. Um, and then yeah, exactly like, if I could do a, a a better job at that, but if there were, it's like on oh, a train, once you're on the train, he's like, it's hard to turn around, <laughs> you can't start to stop a train, right? And so, once you're on the train, but no, um, uh, there is wild men in these stories, the wild men who are considered as important to the spiritual battle, spiritual battle of right and wrong and of righteousness as what we would perceive as men. And there's even a passage where he's like, um uh, and in, in the holy Bible, where, um, there's you go to your father he's blind and he'll touch my arm and he won't see that i'm hairy yes, yes. And that's this, where
0: i was going to that's actually where I was, I was gonna go i was gonna bring that
1: up arm. and it's we yeah. who took Ishmael's birthright yeah ishmael and that they're considered in this point this is all obviously you know very narrative and very myth, you know uh allegorical but the idea that uh our creator god during this last era here gave what was originally the birthright of the Yeti Sasquatch, the hairy man, who is our kin and our brother? That's
0: fucking because fascinating we, as hell. So it's an allegory we are smart, for we are mankind cutting, stealing but we are the
1: blessing, stealing the. We are immoral. And we. Uh, the birthright. Native Andrus. American lore. I'm writing that down. <laughs> in Native American lore, there is a description of a war between Native American chiefs, like the great heroes back in the day against the Giants, against the uh, Sasquatch Giants who already had societies, who already were living in cities until they were forced out and killed by the Native Americans. This is um, clear evidence that all these stories are talking about human aggression, human aggression against the Sasquatch at one point to take their world from them. So,
0: okay, those those tall, red-headed like, giants that were here in Native and, uh, in North America, you're saying that those were the Sasquatch.
1: Yes, I'm absolutely saying no. Okay, because I've the.
0: heard stories about them that they were fucking aggressive, that they were kind of like rapists and cannibals, that they would kill no. us.
1: And we, here's, yeah. here's the story behind them. Um, if you ever read the Book of Mormon? They talk about the same thing. But they were the lost tribes of Israel, and one of the lost tribes of Israel is the tribe of Dan. Now, Tribe of Dan is best known through people who do know it as the Vikings, who people who traveled through ship, who in the Book of Mormon traveled across the Atlantic Ocean in arcs. Uh, but these are like Viking longboats in representation. Tribe of Dan is represented by uh, the flag of a snake, red stripes with a snake on it. And they are already known, very well known, to be the roots of European Vikings, uh, Scots. Uh, And things like that, you know, like actual, you know, Gaelic, that is the Hebrew descendants. And these, these whites who had red hair, Eric the Red, for example, very pronounced red hair, Scots, Irish, things like that, who populated northern areas, are known in history to have colonized the United States for 500 years in an area called Vineland on the East Coast, the Atlantic Seaboard. Now, deep history will teach you like Tartaria, mud flood, lost uh, history type stuff. Will teach you that the Welsh pushed into America and explored. Some say as far as Arizona. That there were uh, synagogues found in Michigan. That I mean, there some had, say
0: as far as California.
1: or as, as California. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. the idea that Sasquatch is original here. Uh, I think people need to readjust this mindset of what a Sasquatch truly is and why this starts making a lot more sense in my definition of them having cities in caverns in the Rocky Mountains, them having high technology like spaceships and coexisting in a state of secrecy right alongside the North American uh, populations of the USA, Canada and Mexico, but also completely within communication with our governments, etc. cetera. Now, the weirdest fucking part of this is going to understand that they are not full-time savages or primitives in any way. What we are seeing and interacting with is the fringe elements of this population. Like, if you were to go in the Amazon rainforest and see a guy spearing fish in the river with, like, a hoops in his ears and the body paint and you know blow dart and monkeys walking around barefoot uh you know having the time of his life in their shamanistic way that is a divergence of an already established species right now we all forget that you have to look at these things um through spectrums of normalcy and relevancy there are savages yes in the bigfoot world but the True populations. The heart of the population is sophisticated, just like mankind is compared to those Amazonians. If you looked at those uh, Nairobi, uh, you know hunter-gatherer tribes, if you looked at like the Amazonian Fisher people who lived on the Amazon River, uh, they don't have, they barely have fire. They don't have electricity. They don't have shoes. They can't. No manufacturing process, right? They are surviving on their wits and hunting, getting berries, things like that. Like, you know, we assume we've always done. That same area, Brazil, has hospitals, major cities, millions of people living through a spectrum from that point to literally in the 22nd century, right? And You know the- what's
0: funny, though, man, is I really wonder who has it better sometimes. Like, they, they don't live in a – I mean, there's so many examples that I've heard of, like, of white – colonialist settlers Mm -hmm. that would defect and go live with the native (laughs) americans because they liked that life so much fucking better and there was almost none of the native americans that would try to come and live our lifestyle because they're like what the fuck what do you mean i have to pay for what i where i live like this is my house this little piece of property right here like why can't we just like have fun and just like, here's this goddamn prairie over here. I'm going to go catch a fucking elk. You you need a permit for that.
1: Yes, and it's good that you said that. It's good that you say that (laughs) because the next part is not going to be a big pill for you to swallow. You already know it, that it's a choice of an intelligent being. It's a choice of an established, powerful being, a spiritual being, to leave his clothes. Like, imagine that. If you're a giant man, if you're a giant who's able to see a forest and a mountain and that say your society permits it, which our society frowns upon it, but even Americans do it and you're going to grow your body here out. You're going to raise your family the way you feel is best, which is in the woods, which is hunting elk, which is eating berries, which is taking shits in the woods, you know, walking around without shoes. And yes, even in your own society, that's considered, man, you're going to go off grid And you're like, yes.
0: Well, dude, I have friends that are going, that are like, there's a huge movement right now that like people are homesteading. People are trying to get back to nature. They're trying to grow their food. They're trying to like kill their own animals. They're trying to understand like what it means to be a a human and not clock in and out for some fucking giant corporation. And then you literally own nothing. And you have this tiny little apartment that like you can't. Like you can't grow anything. Like maybe you can grow a fucking plant. You can grow a, you know what I mean? Like a, like an air plant. You can grow in your window.
1: No, absolutely. And so this <laughs> is the idea of this choice: is diversity within a species. Now to kind of clarify, because I kind of jumped in this and even uh, my my position has always been that Sasquatch, Bigfoot, which I will be now calling Yeti, right? Just the Yeti species is equal to man in intellect and in culture. There is no divergence. And mankind's actions and Sasquatch actions, meaning that there are heart surgeon Yeti, there are president Yetis, there are fashionista Yetis, there are uh, culinary critic Yetis, there are all the various niches and possibilities of life. There are Yetis who are the blue-collar Yetis, there are the Yetis who are the white-collar Yetis, there are the Yetis who are the outsider, uh, vagrant, vagabond Yetis who don't have a dime
0: to run together. I would love to try their food. You're saying the food critic,
1: I want to go. They're just just people who are enormous. That has to be understood, though. They are enormous. They are proportionately two or three feet taller on average than the average person. They are proportionately over a 1,000 pounds each in our weight. So their society is proportioned to them. And they would—they are too big to play with us. To kind of put it very simply, their society is kept from us not through the fact that we want. No, it's just it doesn't work out, and it's always a big problem because of our egos and our aggression and our fears and our paranoia and the fact that they are nine feet tall. Uh, so they could, without trying, hurt us severely. And, Is this
0: uh, a connection to? Because uh, I'm going to be reaching out to a guy. Uh, my friend hooked me up with him. We're going to be talking to this guy. He says that he's been to Telos. You Telos, know, inside of over. Mount. Yeah, Mount inside Shasta. of Mount Shasta. That's Mount Shasta. Some fascinating shit. When they when they got there though, there was like a giant fucking like like a city, but everything was for
1: giants. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So so it's not like we could. It's not like when we go in there, it's going to be made of sticks and like bushes. They're just people like us and they shave regularly. They have hair removal. If you were to see what I'm talking about and if you would see what I'm saying in the SSP, they are there as well. Their ships have to be constructed, though, for them. And while they aren't a major part of the Solar Warden or the Earth Alliance when it comes to that, they are a part of it. But it's like, yeah, imagine talking to them and you're sitting in your chair at a table and looking across at a nine foot tall man, and if you sat in the chair, your feet wouldn't reach the ground. It is intimidating. It is a psychological leap and burden, but just like a chihuahua meeting a Great Dane, they are genetically the same. The awkwardness is there, just like these 120 different species on earth. We are more similar and thus kind of just, uh, but it is one of them. It is the 121st type of ethnicity they choose My- to keep to themselves.
0: Because- I'm going to throw out something crazy. Tell me what you think about this. Are there some that are a little bit shorter and they're just like, I'm going to try to blend in. I'm like talking yeah. about like Shaquille O'Neal. Somebody that's just gigantic, you know, like somebody. Him, he's like, but he's considered like a short guy over there, and he's like, you know, I could be a big tall giant over here.
1: Yes, there's an overlap. <laughs> Good point. There is an overlap. You're absolutely right. Um, see, I try to, I try to dish just dish this out, drip feed. But no, you're on board. Yes, there's, there's absolutely an interaction. They speak and they can learn uh, through observation. Our culture. Ron Perlman, I believe, is one of them. Shaq very, very realistically could very well be. I posted that before with that attention saying, listen, if you think that there is such a difference between a seven foot tall Sasquatch and a human being, Shaq moves in our society. He dates. He has children. It's the same thing. I have uh, photos of former Soviet Union people, families, and it's clear that their grandfathers were not fully human. This guy is built like a refrigerator and he's completely covered in hair, yet he's swimming at the pool. And, and he, he had sent like me that photo. Um, yeah. I can actually probably look it up right now. Hold on one second. I was thinking, yeah. like I got I got these things um, screen share it and we
0: can put that in for our audience.
1: Yeah yeah that's what I'm saying like yeah. I got I I can pull it up and show it to the camera right here. But they, like the like humans and Bigfoots though or what we call as Bigfoots. It's like if we saw a homeless person and thought that there was a tr- like just a savage unkempt you know disorderly you know primitive element of our society that that went unchecked no he's a regular person whose choices have led him to appear that way like you know what I'm saying like I yeah. wrote
0: that down when you said Big that Bigfoot. yeah so the bigfoots that we interact with are kind of like the outsiders they're kind of like the, the- dumpster,
1: Digging yeah. in dumpster, smelling, and I'm saying like is it dreadlocks like a wolf? You ever see a wolf at a concert? That's
0: why they say that that you will smell Bigfoot before you get near him.
1: <laughs> yes, and while also people have said that Bigfoot doesn't, uh, Bigfoot <clears throat> for example uh, has been seen in UFOs during abduction experiences, specifically in Latin America a lot, which um, you know is one of the things that people will tell you that Chewbacca, for example, has that kind of impression where he is. Yes, tall and hairy and bestial, but also sophisticated, smart, and able to keep, you know, fly a spaceship. Like that's like, yes, he is a big monster who can fly a spaceship. Like, yes, that's the whole thing. Like, yeah, he's got thumbs. Like, he's got you know, like they're all weird monsters somehow, you know, when you think about it. And that's the whole point is that these people um, are are not fully appreciating or respecting this species, uh, which is like I think just so naive it's it's so people don't know about ultra terrestrials ultra terrestrials is what i'm talking about when i'm saying sasquatch just like humans peer-to-peer uh as intelligent as capable of developing civilization and society as capable of doing everything that we do um just it's a matter of scale and size in this species that their species is what we would consider gigantic let's say very gigantic that there's like what when they discovered all the bones the giant bones uh in america they were discovering them but what we don't want to talk about is what they had bronze age armor jewelry Mesopotamic culture, because they were the tribe of the Hebrews, yeah, back at the time of the Anunnaki, which is where this all comes from. As I'm saying, like they were direct descendants, just like we were of this Middle Eastern super society, right? That they were not uh, relics of gigantopithecus blackie, uh, picking ticks and walking around, freezing their balls off in the woods until we showed up, right? Until, until we showed up from Europe and brought them their society. That clearly... That this is not how history went down. Now brings the question, who made these fucking cities that we found, right? Who made all these cities with these giant buildings? Well, I'll tell you who. They did. They did. And the apocalyptic war that broke out between us two, human beings and them, is the reason for the Great Reset, I believe. Now, the reason why they even existed, to kind of go back even further, the reason why I think they existed... I was into the photo. I, they somehow piled in here uh, in the phone, but yeah, the reason why they existed was: how else do you free the world? You create a warrior society. You create a warrior caste, right? And this is like I said. You remember they, the stories of these red-haired giants being ferocious, fearsome warriors with like bronze spears and you know things like that. Like imagine fighting these giants in in the in battle. You know, like, they were unstoppable. They were invincible. They ruled the world through might. And this was literally the Scythian Aryan purge. And I don't mean Aryan in a way people, oh, no, no. I mean, like, Aryan, the way that Iran is named Aryan. The Aryan Scythian charioteers who pushed from India all the way through Europe and Asia. They invaded Russia, what we know as Russia. They invaded literally the world. They literally also came across the Atlantic and around the North Pole and invaded North America and invaded South America into Mexico. The Aztecs. So you might not have the started. answer to this. The Aztecs. You might
0: not have. Okay, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> the Aztecs, uh, the mound builders in America, they were known as mound builders. They were known as the Aztecs who built pyramids, right? People are like, well, what was the civilization? There are more pyramids in North America and South America than there are in Africa. I was like, like yeah. it's because we're these Scythians wits. They built these mega monolithic, like impossible architects. Even by today, the they're so like, who built Machu Picchu? Who built all these things? They did. They did. Back when they could live freely in the open, right? But mankind was always there. And I think then we worked peacefully with each other. I think then were we were they, like, they, so
0: So let, let's talk about that for a minute. So this was like. So timeline-wise, what do you think that was? This right after the reptilians got kicked out, and so then humanity
1: was the free. Is that? Yeah, the process of kicking out the, the reptilians didn't get kicked out. Remember, they got cut off. They got okay. cut off. They were here with all their technology and with all their forces. We but we they had, got their butts
0: we, kicked. We hard. had
1: the warrior cast, the yeti, the giants, the goliaths. Like we had the Goliaths, we were the brains, they were the brawn, right? Kind of thing. They and they did all the heavy lift, but they're also smart. So it's like, um, you know, like you think about it, it's a multi-species front. We're all doing our best though. It's like we all worked together before we didn't. And I believe that's like a Tower of Babel situation right there, too, right? We all stopped literally working together and plunged ourselves in this chaos. A lot of different things going on, right? A lot of layers to it. But at one point, we were all unified. And that we we went and we destroyed these evil reptilian dragon. We slayed the dragon. We killed their kings. We stro we freed the slaves. Right. We broke down the walls of Jericho. Right. We stopped all that Moloch worshiping bullshit. And I say we broke up their idols. We chased them, scattered them to the seven winds. We kicked a lot of ass. And then they formed that society, which we would know as Atlantis, which was that you know everything basically ruled the world. Time. of You know, endless prosperity, reign of the gods, basically star people. And then um, the the polar shift happened, which I think was uh, part of this cosmic war in itself. Maybe reptilian attack against us from deep within the ground. Because as they dug in, you know, people forget Earth is not small. Earth is like on the scale, realistically, of Jupiter and Saturn. It is a gigantic organic fucking planet Earth what are your thoughts
0: on there's smoke. more continents than they let us than than we're led on to believe correct
1: yes there's more co- not only that people don't take into account the interior volume yeah and the oceans
0: yeah yeah that's what, okay so that that was another thing that i was gonna ask so so where we're at right now is that so let's go back like maybe let's say a thousand years or something. When, when we had uh, the Ashtar high command was fighting with the reptilians, the reptilians get eventually get their butt kicked. Uh, the Ashtar throw this uh, firmament around the planet as kind of like a prison and like, Hey, you're never going to be able to you know do what you were doing before. At that point, that gave us enough freedom that we were able to uh, like, break off our chains and fight the last remnants maybe of some of these reptilians and drove yep. them maybe into the earth and that's when we had uh like this time that we were fighting alongside the Sasquatch the Scythians the the, the giants that yep. were also a type of humanoid they were just a bigger version of us
1: and they were bigger than them there were even bigger giants than them like the uh, the Amorites and stuff like that the Amorites like like those are the
0: exactly ones real, where we like found skeletons like that were like twenty to thirty feet. Okay,
1: like hundred wow. foot tall okay. guys. That's like like you. There's even there were just people who were living siege engines. I like say like, and they're talked about that was their entire role was they were like living towers. They were like you know, and and so yes, a lot of crazy total human war thing going on against the dragon, right? You can call it the war against the dragon and the giant, and basically, um, yeah. I, and it's not the fact that we still had to fight them. It's all part of a spiritual higher dimensional internal, uh, thing where it's, you have to fight the, the, you have to free yourself. You have to fight your oppressor. You have to fight that who's hurting you and then learn the lessons of mercy slash revenge. And, you know, um, you have to let it all play out. And they locked us in here with them, not only to get us in power and to help us fight, but also to, um, it's ba- yeah. It's basically our revenge. It's basically this was our proving ground, and we did prove ourselves. That's it. We drove them into. We didn't drive them into extinction, but we drove them into the subterranean realm. And so, there's something the that you said that I found over,
0: interesting. Okay, go ahead. Finish that. No,
1: like so the war isn't. The war wasn't over until very recently, so still it's going on. Right now, for example, they're talking about the internal subterranean war to keep freeing humanity. From even like other nefarious beings and other ultraterrestrials, well, we're not the only species on Earth, even humans and reptilians. There are other species on Earth as intelligent living in such a large planet. Like I say, there are, it's it's I think nine species. I think they said nine species ultimately that share Earth, and the reptilians were dominating all of them. So they were going through their evolutions as well. We were going through our evolutions. And yes, there's a species conflict between us and them later on, but it, but there, yeah, it's, it's still going on. It's still progressing. It never ended. It never ended. There's no beginning or end. It's a evolution. You know, it's like a, it's like the Middle East. There is no, uh, you know, then this year, then this it's, it's like everything relates to everything else. Like I'm saying, like, then the Americans showed up, the Americans were always here, but the Americans weren't always here. He like, at one point the Americans didn't exist. But now that they do, they took it over. But you're like, it's it's always the same shit, different day. War never changes. Us versus them. And it's part of how our programming. It's part of our uh, uh, evolutionary heritage. It's kind of like there can be only one. You know, there, right. there is kind of like a, a, a streamline towards like one super species that will represent all of mankind, or all of the Earth. And that's very weird. Uh, and even more violent to think about. But yeah, hope that can help. Wait, like, I, explain, because there's no like one, like a thousand years, and then like this, it's like it constantly evolves and bleeds into each other. And it's like, uh, there's no like eras. It's like, um, you know, it's all like one big picture to take in
0: interesting man that's fascinating what so tell me so who was it that created atlantis
1: was that humans or was that reptilians i believe it was at first uh reptilians humans then took it over and i believe that was absolutely um okay and so
0: that was their that was the attack That that polar shift
1: that was north america i believe that that was north america it was uh considered the ruins of tartaria that we found uh in our country um not the european or, or russian tartaria but when people find those ruins that was atlantis that was absolutely atlantis was america so there's
0: something that you said that i found really fascinating was you were saying that like the end of atlantis was when the polar uh when with the polar shift right and it it screwed everything up it threw everything into chaos because it seems i and if you know i obviously i'm not a fucking scientist but i'm talking to some smart folks that are saying that we're due for another one of those and soon oh yeah and uh is, is there something, is that a natural thing that occurs like on like a, like in a scale or like a cycle sort of thing? Or do you think that this is an attack?
1: Well, the first one and that happened just I noticing was the it real happened. life uh, Tower of Babel. The first one I believe was yeah. the real life Tower of Babel. It was because um both, there were two factors. One, our own spiritual incarnation like had corrupted to the point that it needed to be, uh you know, uh from from chaos comes order type thing it needed to be thrown back into chaos for the order to come back up um uh, much like shaking a snow globe much like shaking an eight ball and it was done on purpose also when the astra high command left in their uh ships basically their ships are so large they're like planets they're like like you know like death stars and when they park them near the earth this is called in the uh, Chinese mythology when the dragon chased the pearl of knowledge. Um, it it causes tsunamis. It it's like a it's seen in the it's seen from Earth in the atmosphere as this great celestial movement, right? And the Anunnaki talk about um uh, not the Anunnaki the Sumerians talk about the uh, the bracelet of uh, the bracelet of pearls or the or the necklace of pearls, and it's uh, about um the planets coming at Tiamat hitting the Earth basically. I think it's the, the people have said Tiamat hitting the Earth. Lloyd Pye talks about it a lot, where the Earth was literally uh, basically hit by Planet X and Nibiru when it comes along. But Nibiru is not a planet. Nibiru is a ship. Nibiru okay. is absolutely a spaceship. So when Nibiru does come around, when it, when it travels by, the Earth itself flips over, literally flips. And just to put in perspective, as I said, Earth is not a small planet. This is not flipping... Uh, a, a toy in a bathtub you know this is their Do you ship know whose ship is in, Nibiru that is the Asher Command ship it's absolutely and are
0: they doing awesome. that on purpose when they what flip is that, the planet
1: it's both on purpose and just something that will happen when they move by and so it's in a cycle, a 6,000 year cycle at this point point. and so yes it is going to happen again it's going to happen very soon but like I said, they are on a scale. Is that themselves. Nibiru coming? Yes, the Nibiru is very close. Actually, um, one of my current projects is filming the day sky, filming the sun with a variety of cameras, and you can clearly see um, what would a, appear as a constellation, but it's actually just the fleet, the fleet of these massive world ships coming through. When and do you think is going to happen behind it?
0: When they come here, are they going to come here to make contact? Are they just here to observe? Are they here to, because I've been hearing, which I find super fascinating. And I want to connect this to, uh, cause I have uh, an interview that I think I'm going to release, probably, I don't know, pretty soon. i uh, probably next Monday. I think I'm going to release that episode. I was talking to a really fucking smart guy, a really fun guy. His name is captain Anthony Kennedy. Yes, that's what his name Captain Anthony Kennedy. Really interesting fucking dude. And he was talking about uh, the divine feminine and that she is on her way. She's coming and um, and that it's going to bring chaos and disorder. But it's not necessarily for chaos and disorder's sake. They're they're here on like way bigger scales doing like important things. And we're just kind of like ants. You know, and so like our ant hive is going to get shook up, but she she's not like trying to fuck with the ant hive. She just she has other things to do. And <laughs> is there is that like that divine feminine that, that that alien like the those are the orbs that we're seeing, and you can feel that. It, does that have something to do with the Ashtar High Command? Does that, that have something to do with the beer room?
1: That has everything to do with them. Yes, it does. That's, That's really fascinating. What I'm man. About right now is yes that. Um, the CIA, for example, even has paperwork that has been disclosed where they're talking about the Sumerian kings arriving again. And this is what I was saying, the Sumerian mm-hmm. kings, the Ashtar High Command that they are referencing. And they ruled for thousands of years a apiece. Each one of them ruled for much longer than what was considered a human lifespan, but they were still the Sumerian kings. Now, this was 100% incontrovertible archaeological evidence. The CIA disclosed it. The divine feminine is also talked about as the adam and eve catastrophe which is a book that was censored by the cia and all copies were purchased by them it's a massive cover-up of this information it is available though online as well as documentaries about it now this adam and eve catastrophe is exactly described as a polar shift a shift in the magnetic north and south which causes a massive destabilization Last time it happened, for example, mammoths went extinct. They were found um, literally frozen solid, flash frozen, with vegetation still being chewed in their mouths, in their cheeks, all bones broken, femurs shattered into a hundred pieces, found massively dead thousands of them in one spot, right? And, and and things like this, which indicate a such a disaster with such a force that the wind speed must have been at least 600 miles per hour and that it must have been the strongest earthquake-slash-tornado-hurricane um, simultaneous experience, as one can imagine. So absolutely, there is going to be um, chaos and destruction on the surface of the world. Um, Mike, are and, you nervous about that at all? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not because it's out of my control, and that's the thing. One of these yeah. things you have to realize is that human beings have to let these cycles happen because there's no way of controlling them. Like I don't control how many them.
0: of us are going to make it through that flip.
1: No, that's the thing. I'm not estimating. Um, I know for a fact technology has that we could all be evacuated. I will say that. I know right now by technology standards, we could all be evacuated. We could all be saved. We could all be put into subterranean tunnels. But we do they have care about us before. enough? Oh, was it? No. Do don't. they
0: care about us enough? I'm saying yeah, or they or actually they do. do.
1: The Asher High okay. Command wouldn't have done any of this to start with unless they were caring about us. And also were ordered to do so because they are a military and follow orders from an even higher authority, the Galactic Federation of Light. Which is, um, there's many distinctions between the two, but these are the benevolent uh, extraterrestrials and the many different species are empathetic to an extreme degree. They are higher vibrational. They are love and light. To kind of put it very simply, but they are also the sword and shield. Were
0: they the Were they Abraxas?
1: This was what I say represented by their uh, incarnation in the Gnostic term Abraxas, which is represented as someone standing on the sun with a whip and shield. And that's See, the reason they have a shield and sword. I was, was going to
0: ask if, they, if Abraxas born. was also one of the reptilians is because they were viewed as a god, right? And so we looked at Abraxas as a god. And I know that the Ashtar don't want to be seen that way. Like, there's oh, the same way that the, the Ashtar
1: do. That's the weird oh, thing. Do they? they are not above it. Well, at the same time, the Ashtar also think of us as very low life forms. But we have a lot of potential and promise, and they came out as I said before, acting like our gods, specifically um, gods of the sky—Apollo, uh, uh, Quetzalcoatl, things like the Tia. Like I said, uh, they they came Zeus. as uh, the Inky, Inky and Ll Zeus uh, sky mm-hmm. gods. They love. Uh, they understand psychology, and they love using non-violent, non-brutal, uh, not non-brute force strategies, psyops, tactics, a lot of uh, uh, master plan type stuff where they will uh, inculculate and calculate or control populations, control uh, the, the emergence of cults and things like that and create the spectacle, create the image that they want to convey. They have hologram technology. They have hard hologram technology so they can appear literally physically in places, interact with people on a physical level, but be just holograms themselves. Using their UFOs, using this uh, this ability for them to travel through the sky, easily controls the populations of these primitive species, us, into thinking well, that-, that we're angels, Virgin Mary, uh, divine feminine things, especially Isis, Tiamat, uh, not Tiamat, uh, Tamus. Tammuz is a big one. Um, Isis in her boat, that's huge. That's absolutely an Ashtar spaceship with Isis in it. Uh, I see Quetzalcoatl and all the Mayan rain deities. The hummingbird god, for example, was their god of war. And it's very much just a blue giant hummingbird. Uh, they, it was a blue spaceship that flies around like a hummingbird. It, it so say-
0: Quetzalcoatl it, was he Ashtar or was he a reptilian?
1: Ashtar. Absolutely Ashtar. Uh, Described okay, as a haired blue-eyed man. Uh, represented, like I said, okay. in this tribe of Dan. Uh, lost tribe of israel sasquatch version he was a very tall but caucasoid nordic uh, How about, uh person, ragnarok. silver now ragnarok, ragnarok is describing a a the a riptile, battle right it, it's snake. Yes, battle between Orion Draco and Ashtar High Command now this interesting was,
0: okay all right
1: this was obviously told as the future because all revelations talk about this end fight that is going to happen. Now the end fight um I believe already happened. I believe happened in 2001 when Orion Draco actually did invade the earth. Um, that's a whole another story, a very personal story of my own experience. But yes, I've gone on record many hours saying uh, my events of that and experiences of it and what I think it meant in the mystery behind a lot of it and how it was covered up and how it relates to things like uh, what we know as the world trade center uh, towers falling and the bombing of the Pentagon and things like that, how it's all related. Uh, Basically, 2001, I believe, was Ragnarok. It was a restart of the war between the Orion Draco and the Astro High Command. It happened on Earth. It happened in the Bifrost. It happened in Antarctica, which I believe before the pole shift was the North Pole. So for them, they were thinking North Pole back then. And I was saying, like, it happened in Antarctica. It's absolutely uh, very uh, Hyperborea. Landscape uh, Antarctica itself also doesn't look much like it's not just the one ice shelf, it's yes, very cold, but it's mountainous and it's very much a land of uh time forgot. And it very much was like Ragnarok in many aspects. And uh, that that's what I will say about that. Ragnarok was in 2001, as far as I'm concerned, absolutely. Uh, Ryan absolutely. Draco, Astra High Command War, and the Astra High Command being Thor and uh Odin and those gods of the, the sky pantheon and the orion draco being the frost giants and the fire giants and the uh sea monsters the jargamond and loki's sons Fenrir, bestial uh, super powered you know super engineered abominations who had the forms of beasts but could destroy even the gods which is exactly what i saw there What is exactly what happened in, in, in that whole invasion um and I think if you were a Viking back then or or Yeti, they like said we didn't educate, uh, they didn't educate them. They kind of just let them into the wild with the subconscious genetic programming, urging them to uh, further the kingdom, to create the kingdoms that were designed to be, you know, for mankind. These Yeti and mankind species, this, uh, you know, mankind at total, you know, and um uh, before the split, before the languages were confused, before the, it, the the vibe was confused and we started seeing each other as enemies, uh, you know, this is the best way we could articulate ourselves, you know, was these uh, myths, or these legends, you know, you listen to Greek legends, you look at the Greek myths, and you know it's not a real guy killing a woman with snake hair. Like, that didn't happen. But something did happen, which is why they wanted. to talk about it which is why they want to tell you that men fought reptilians that could turn you into stone with their fucking eyes and we had to like use mirrored shields and you know use our brains and god had to help us out to fight this monster because a sea monster was going to eat a princess and the princess became our wife and then we became the king of the country and then like we know that didn't happen to a guy one guy it didn't happen but that happened to a people, that happened to us, that happened to our species, that happened to mankind. And that's like, when you when you look at like Lord of the Rings, same thing. I know Frodo was, that happened to mankind, that happened, that Tolkien was talking about as a symbolic fight between good and evil. It, like it's always been. But the thing with the Yeti though, is that it's the same uh, stories between us and the Giants that the giants have their own society. The giants have their own ways. The giants have their own people, like their own kingdoms in the clouds in mountainous areas in places that are too far away. Right. And they don't want to interact with us because shit went bad when they used to. And we killed a lot of them just because it made us look like badass. Like we would see one and just fucking hunt it down without asking a question. And because we wanted to keep it skull and like, you know, uh, or use them to fight in our armies and do shit like that.
0: That's what I was going to ask is like, when did uh, things sour between humanity and these giants slash Bigfoot slash whatever the heck they are. I think it was
1: right after the, uh, the polar vortex flip, which produced what we uh, know as the ice age. Right now this of course only lasted much, much shorter than it did in history. I think it only lasted like a few decades. Uh, this co- coincides with, for example, like the London freeze in the 1800s, where it like there was just years without summer, right? And there are all these little mini ice ages. Like, that's the thing. Like, look at a mini ice age. Napoleon had a mini ice age when Napoleon was alive, right? These mini ice ages are felt more in the equator and the southern parts as mini ice ages. Uh, but in North America, it was a little bit more extreme, right? And thus, the resources ran a little bit scarce. And without seeing the sun, the uh, human beings, specifically in Mexico and in uh, Central America, South America, the Incas went fucking nuts. They went, they went insane. They, they, they blamed giants. They blamed all outsiders, all enemies. They started just attacking and going crazy. Tower of Babel, language was confused. This was a spiritual thing too. People started becoming much more violent, much more paranoid. Emergency mode, war mode, right? Like war mode activated. It was an accelerationist uh, dream, and just people were arming themselves to the teeth and going out to fight for whatever they could uh, during this moment of chaos. From chaos comes order. Uh, from the many come the one, and, and you know, tyrants and things like that arise. The Aztecs, Native Americans, they're not nice people. Native Americans in America aren't nice people. Like You can, you can say, oh, they live in land. They would kill you because you were white. Like people forget that they would kill you if you were another Native American. You could be an Apache. You could be a light-pan Apache. A Cherokee would shoot you with an arrow and take your shit. Yeah, this, and I mean this was a no. So the weak, yeah, that was the people the, who. The thing is that, that people
0: have to remember that is that like
1: Tom that's Hunt, humanity. Calvin.
0: How much they, how much they try to say, like the noble savage myth with the Native Americans, that they were like peaceful and loving, and this and that and the other. And it's like maybe sometimes, and maybe some cultures, but we have to remember that yeah. they were still human. No, right? maybe sometimes, like
1: some cultures, but the, for example, I'm reading a lot of Texas history. The yeah. reason why I kind of think of this is that I forget it too in the whole PC SJW world. Like it's not Avatar. It's not like, all oh, these people were well in nature. The Comancheria was a country within Texas during the Texas Republic that Texans were afraid to go into and couldn't go into because they would kill them and make them slaves. Texas Indians had slavery. Uh, Cher- the Comanche had slavery and loved it. Loved slavery. The Comanche once attacked all the way down to New Mexico City. This was back in the 1800s. Uh, they were almost unstoppable. Uh, they were ferocious terrorists. They hated everyone else. And this was not during a time where, oh, they didn't have, they didn't, they didn't know better. No, they knew better. They absolutely just loved, people back then were super fucking evil. Like mean, they didn't need help, right? That's like, like whatever impulse that people had was violence and Mad Max style tribalism, right? You rode through the desert plains and if you saw anyone, kill them and eat them or whatever. that you know, rape them and eat them. That's what you did. Uh, you know, like rape the women, eat the fucking horses, and like take them. You know, take, like kill the men with a fucking cr- tomahawk, scalpel, and shit. And people, that's what they these. That's who was fighting the fucking Bigfoot. That was who was fighting the Yeti in their civilization, and in their cities. And I know the Native Americans are like, well, the redheaded Native Americans were cannibals and stuff. And I think that's the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, like, like you said, some Native Americans were super nice, and that would have shocked them. And you know, that, that exactly. Like there was. It's war, so yeah, everyone was going kind of crazy, and they were imagine I can easily imagine these Yeti going off the deep end and going off the reservation and, and killing and eating, growing their beards out, growing the hair out, you know, cutting guys' heads off, putting them on fucking sticks. So, you know, no, it was it was a war, it wasn't for pussies, it was no country for old men shit. It was absolutely just bloodshed at high noon, you know, midnight raids, like you know, the whole like you know that's what i'm saying it was absolutely the wild wild west blood meridian type stuff and i mean the western hemisphere at the end of this native americans stood on the lowlands and in the surface and the yeti lived in the mountains and the mountain in many areas were off limits even to native americans like seattle for example the this the uh, snake river people they talk about not going on mount saint helens and there's a reason why as it why is there so much bad blood no, there's like many, many of the strongholds, these Yeti strongholds are in the Rocky Mountains and in California, in the Northeast. And that was because they're highly defensible areas. And yeah, this society is not dumb, but has been knocked back into a lower and more aggressive stage. It's high society. It's civilized society is bunkered, bunkered deep within mountains, bunkered deep within these artificial caverns, just like how we have built our bunkers. That's something you do if you're fighting a war and are smart enough to understand, you know, it's a stalemate or you need to build defenses. You build bunkers, Cheyenne Mountain, uh, you know, uh, Raven Rock, uh, all these different like bunkers in America w- that have cities that have eternally functioning, you know, like like stores and, and shops, hospitals, uh, fully functioning societies underground, you know. And this is where i was saying, like, at some point there could be a number of people who say, "Fuck all this! I don't want to live underground. I'm gonna go onto the surface and just take my chances." Right? I'm gonna take my shoes off. I'm just gonna grow out my beard. I'm gonna hunt elk with my bare hand. The war's over. We don't have to live like this. Right? The war is over. We can we can stop. And they're like, "Well, you wouldn't want to risk it because if you go up there, you know, they're gonna they're gonna see you and shoot you." And things that were like, there's a transitionary period that happened in the 20th century. That's what I call a transitionary period. Between the 1900s, when the Native Americans were finally defeated and basically defeated by us, another version of the of their own species against them, right? Who had to basically stop their crazy fucking uh, psychopathic rampage across America unchecked, right? We literally came back, found these cities, found all these ruins, didn't know what the hell happened, uh, where the original people had gone. Uh, were quite fucking, uh, you know, busy trying to reclaim and gather all the wealth of crap that we had now. We had from the east to west coast filled with cities and amazing architecture, etc. But it was built for giants. Clearly built for people who were eight feet to nine feet tall on average, right? Big books, big doors, big chairs, big beds big houses That's not like, like you understand like this is what clearly this is all it correlates it doesn't it doesn't contradict each other oh well, yeah we well yeah if there was a giant cataclysm and instead of having the time to rebuild and you know dig out their cities and save themselves they were immediately attacked by fucking like isis you know basically isis on a horse and and then um No, I would go to a bunker too, right? That's like, you'd go to your fallout vault and lock up and be like, no, we're going to pick our heads out maybe in a hundred years. So from 1830 to 1860, you're in, you start going into these bunkers. And then like 1930 to 1960, you start poking your head back out. And that's when Bigfoot sightings skyrocket. That's when Bigfoot sightings go through the fucking roof. It's not because campers start going out, living in like, you know, Yosemite National Park, but that's too, that's another factor. Americans start camping, cameras start becoming popular, like home video cameras, uh, uh, photograph uh, photographs. It becomes like a leisurely pursuit to go kayaking, canoeing, camping, mountain climbing, things that bring people back into the woods, right? But at the same time, the Bigfoot's also coming into the woods for its first time. Not like first time ever, but you're right. These these campers just like us are coming into the woods, bumping into each other, seeing each other, establishing what I already know exists is these anthropological um, good relations with our society, regardless of the individual encounters producing, you know, whatever the fuck results it does. Oh, I was scared. It scared me. Bigfoot, for the most part, is a well-behaved, civilized, polite creature, just like we are, right? Right. And you can rest assured that the government knows all about this. The government is doing its best to protect them. All its literature points to that. You know, the the BLM, the, the not the Black Lives Matter, but the Bureau of Land Management, the real one, you know, the badass one, has millions of acres put aside, millions of square acres put aside to it. And this is in the United States. Alaska, for example, is heavily monitored on where people can live. And those lots in, in the grid, set. Oh, yeah, it's off the grid. No, it's not. It's heavily, heavily enforced by land management officials in Alaska, right? And it goes into Canada as well. It's in North America all the way Rocky Mountains in Canada. The Great Canadian Shield, which is probably the largest continuous forest in the world. So it's not yeah, like man. they ran Canada out of Canada
0: is pretty wild, dude. Like, still wild is like, AF. Yep. Like, there's some places there that are, like, there's chunks that are, like, the size of, I don't know, like, Montana. And they have, like, 40,000 people, maybe, that live there. <laughs> if
1: even that. If even, and they're Eskimos or something, like Inuit. They have no – they're off the grid. They don't care about society. I said they're – so the people who do live there, what they have snowmobiles, and they want to like just live in their little like you know, it's like little houses and have their families. It's not like other oh, thousand scientists and busybodies who are going to be searching for Bigfoot. You know, what I'm saying they're just like oh yeah, hey, a, yeah, I saw him. He was over there. Like, like, but, like you, you, you know, you see him, you talk to him and stuff like that. I, yeah, the non plus, they know what's going on. Oh yeah, I see, see lights. The UFOs. Like, what's you know, what's like,
0: interesting is. I, I was I had a uh, an interview with a actually a good friend of mine. His name is Jim Bob, uh, and Jim, Jim Bob was telling me a little bit more about like the Solomon Islands. And so it seems like there that they that the humans and the giants they maybe never gotten big fights because they seem to still live symbiotically. And they talk about the big giants that'll come out sometimes, and and they just have like and they won't come around when tourists are around. But, like, when the tourists aren't there, the native, the locals are there, they they just see them. They're like, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. And they just see them and live amongst them and, and have a pretty peaceful coexistence.
1: Yes. Okay, so a lot of times uh, we talk about this. and This is an enormous subject. You know, you can talk about all day just about what's happening in America. It's happening around the world. Solomon Islands perfect example if you research anything about the giants they talk about the giants is hanging out we saw them in world war ii the army knew all about them we saw them from the plains they we thought they were islands some of these giants are the 100 200 300 foot tall variety right This is as clear as day there are photos of tourists filming heads human heads but of massive scale that look like boulders sticking out of the water like watching them and you're right. That's why there's no violence. <laughs> there's no attacks. There's no, there's in fact a sense of discretion. Now, you know why? Cause they're intelligent and shy like a person. They're as merciful as a person, but a person who is following rules that are higher than them. And like I said, I think these giants, these, yeah, individual cases, etc. But it's remarkable how many times Sasquatch is non-violent or saves people from desperate situations. Sasquatch is absolutely a pacifist. I am 100% on board of the Psychic Pony Woo Train as well, as they show psychic and psionic abilities. The ability to cloak, turn invisible. The ability to apparently be immune to weather and temperature. Being being, you know, they can be in literally sub-arctic sub-zero temperatures and not and chewless, you know, not sub frostbite. Clearly, these are super beings, super beings of mind and matter, right? And regardless of we think body hair is uncouth, what we're looking at is like the yogi swamas. You know, that's what I'm saying like you gotta think of things like that. Like, we're looking at the yogi swamas in some cases, you know, the guys who don't cut their hair for spiritual or religious reasons. This is why they're out here, just like how Buddhists climb mountains and, you know, to get away from things, to get away from, um, uh, the you know, that find themselves, that form monasteries and things. We aren't dealing with um, necessarily, as I mentioned before in the other example, people like their kind who are illiterate, just like how our kind is illiterate when they find them. Sometimes individuals, yes, but we are dealing with a higher being, a being a survivor a being of, of perspective, of wisdom, of wisdom. You know, that should be respected. Like the Solomon Islanders respect those giants. They consider them ancestors. They consider them guardians of the island. Uh, the, the aborigines in Australia consider the Yowie a brother, and they live side by side with them, and they let the Yowie do his thing because they know the Yowie does his thing, and they do their thing that's not considered uh, rude it's considered hey he's given us the respect to keep his distance and we keep our respect and keep our distance we don't have to be constantly in each other's faces that mindset of uh, well uh, once you own once you know something you you own it and you constantly keep it next to you that that like what we do with dolphins what we do with tigers like we're going to put them in a zoo we're not putting bigfoot in a zoo That's like it's not something to put in a zoo it's something to be left alone but respected and uh the studying of it it's not an animal that's saying like he's not going to be hunted down or killed he's not going to do that it's not a, it's not just the one it's a variety of this human being and like i said the government knows all about it. for example there's a colony in san antonio there's a colony of these yeti who live on the outskirts of san antonio in a primitivist commune basically uh, low tech no tech um they they wander but keep basically to this one area it's very well documented within the local community that san antonio has this bigfoot hotspot area right but it's also strangely quarantined by the u.s government and monitored by the blm bureau of land management and the Texas National Parks, and, uh, the Texas Parks and Wildlife, and all these different you know organizations, National Fishing Game, and all that kind of stuff, and they operate there. Uh, and, and there was an anthropologist, an insider who came out online, green text, four chan, talking about how they were bringing water. The, the the government was bringing water during a wildfire season to these Sasquatch because they had ran out of natural water. It was a drought, and we were. Bussing in, basically trucking in water, fresh water for them to drink. This is how that's it's wild. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is not the only one. There are these communities all across America. California's got a bunch of them. They're treated like First Nation people are treated like indigenous Americans. Now, they don't want this to ever be true because many reasons. Uh, but, you know, you can naturally assume how much negative reaction, like I say, pick which negative reaction you would think that they're afraid of the most, but there are hundreds of ways this could be negatively perceived and very seriously, if you were keeping them secret. So the secret builds on itself. Right. But like, for example, they post uh, that, I mean, they, the parks people, national parks department posts warning signs on public trails with taxpayer money saying this is a Sasquatch sighting area or Sasquatch has been sighted in this area. And it gives you a list of recommended behaviors to follow if you encounter one that are not more odd than a bear. Or Where a is this? Uh, for example, one was sent to me from Idaho and another one was sent to me from um, California Bear, Mount Shasta.
0: That's this is absolutely
1: reality. Uh, yeah, if you go to the Pacific Northwest, you will see signs, signage that says, "This is that's a fighting area." <laughs> yeah, do not that's make, fine, take photos, man. do not approach, do not make contact, do not feed. Do not yell or or, you know, react or run away type thing, right? Just it, he will leave you alone. They're peaceful. They're vegetarian, and it says that on the on the list. It's absolutely Government property. This isn't somebody all going. To pray. This is government property.
0: So it's funny you say they're vegetarian. I've I've heard um, one guy that I interviewed. His name is Scott. He was telling me that, like, at least where he's at down in Louisiana, he tells me that they they are meat eaters. Uh, they they do definitely eat meat. And he says that like because he's out there hunting on on a bunch of property. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that he found fascinating is like he shot this deer. And then it, it, he says, for sure it was dead. He's looking at it th- through the scope. He shot it right through the heart. This thing's dead. And then it stands up and starts running. And he, but he's like, its legs aren't moving. He's like, literally, like uh, like cloaked Sasquatch, just picked it up and started running like this with it and took his damn deer. And he says that this, is, this happens amongst those hunters out there. And they know it. And they're like, yep, Sasquatch will sometimes just come in and steal your food. Will come Man in and steal your de- steal steal your kill. Yep.
1: Man with a brown suit. Yep. That's absolutely a thing hunters talk about. Um poaching their kill. Like they'll watch the blood trail go out and they won't ever find the deer. They'll stalk yeah. and they'll just stop. Um and the taking of people sometimes that also has been reported, obviously missing four and one. But these are the individual uh, proofs to the rule, I believe. But also it's been enough time that there can be pre- uh, not predatory, but yeah. Carnivorous, meat uh bigfoots because it's all choice. It's all choice. You're dealing with a with uh, dealing with a species. Well, I also it's think individual like a, it, like Esau, right? But what I'm saying that about the vegetarian disgust. on the sign, but the vegetarian on the sign uh, that <laughs> exists there doesn't contradict, for example, the subterranean reports of Telos, which is in Mount Shasta, by people who have been there, describing that the population is 100% vegetarian that they all grow their food hydroponically and that there are these massive like every building is a garden or a greenhouse the the um contradiction is the same as saying indians hindus a billion hindus are vegetarian but people and then there's so many chicken meat. yeah yeah, but some yeah some eat beef some eat and then they're like I don't isn't the cow sacred to you yes but i like mcdonalds <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's what I was I'm gonna say. Wrong. Is that they are individuals, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, yeah, in Louisiana, in the swamp, I'm pretty sure the Bigfoot's chowing down or whatever he can get his hand. These aren't the ideas versus reality, I get it, but on the side, it does say vegetarian, and the government treats them as peaceful and as uh non predatory. In which they won't, they, it's not like a, a grizzly bear or a Kodak bear where they're like, if you see this, fucking run. Like if you see this, get out of the way. Like we'll send a hunter and try to take it out and close the park trail. Like clearly they're like, if you if you see a bigfoot, they're just you know leave it alone. Like don't like leave it alone. Like like it'll it is minding its business. You mind your business. Enjoy your trail. Just like if you see a moose or like a like I say like a bison, and um, you know it's the, it's treated the same way. It's treated as like a larger herbivore, and it is that's the way the BLM treats it. But like I said, um, this is only the fringe or our interpretation of it for our own egos. The reality is that they are living in entire city, country, nation-sized places, operating with as much organization and as much stratification. And I'm not saying they're walking around hairy. I'm not saying they're walking around like hairy hands. And stuff. They they Their cosmetics represents their society just as much as ours and they are indistinguishable except for their thicker facial features. They do tend to have heavier brows and noses, masculine, very masculine. Uh, like you said, like, like, you know, like they have a lot of testosterone. They do men and women both have a lot of testosterone, men and females, both in their species, but they are no less capable of having hairstyles, haircuts, clothing, um, electrolysis for their, for their facial hair, shaving, um it's very much like planet of the apes and and planet of the apes like realistically which not like the new one where they're all just naked all the time but like you know you're talking to them and you'd be very surprised that society is 100 the same like there are young intellectuals there are artists there are romantics there are skeptics there are uh, podcasters there are entertain you know like business people there are you know, dry, boring people. uh, And it's the same, it's the same, it's the same. As above, so below, it's the same. Human beings, but forced to live in secrecy given the fact that they just survived a genocide attempt by members of their own species, but enough to deviate, enough deviation to be considered monstrous by them. We consider them monsters, but we're the monsters. They are the peaceful, sophisticated, utopian um, idealists, for the most part, and we are the ones run by paranoia and fear and um, basically uh, survival. Like we're run on survival mode, for the most part, and we. And like this, this is all because of the the polar ship This is all because of the great disaster that occurred right now we're getting back off that we're cooling down. We're able to communicate with them. Um, Now we work alongside them in the SSP. We work alongside them in the secret space program. They are engineers. They are diplomats. They are intellectuals. They are ship uh, crew. uh, They are, you know, officer cadre. They are us, but they are tall. They are they are us, but they are tall. They are us, but they are big, and that is one of the things that the biggest pill to swallow is that you could be, you could be side by side in the secret space program with a human being who is nine feet tall. Because that is the reality of human beings. If anything, it's the greater reality between us and humans that there are midgets. No, I would say midgets as offensive. Uh, dwarves. I didn't mean as I did uh, So I am trying they, they, to better. They, what, they like to go by little people. Little people. <laughs> Pygmies. Yeah. I call them pygmies. I think pygmy is actually a really good, uh, descriptor for because there is an idea of pygmatism. Like what is, what is a pygmy? A pygmy is just a person who's like three feet tall. That's such, that's so weird, right? That's so mind blowing that a person can be, we understand it that way, that the ho- tallest they can get is three feet tall, four feet tall at the tallest, right? That's but they live their lives normally they live in societies in villages they live in communities and they have history that goes back a thousand years and they're skilled jungle fighters and they're skilled scouts and they're skilled hunters they, there's nothing like respectable people who have lived and fought and like they're mighty in that way right like they're a little like hobbit people like but and we are we don't consider ourselves to be like on that spectrum but we are we're just one piece in this spectrum and there is even weirder shit, like with six inch tall people and stuff like that. Like that's that's a thing in in folklore and history, and I don't even want to go in that, but that's true too, where it, it goes down all the way down to the spectrum. And also, like I said, hundred foot tall people, etc. Do it's you all think they
0: are extinct at this point, or they're still little
1: six foot six inch little guys? The Cherokee still talk about them, and there are many eyewitness sightings about them too. Uh, and there I've are heard actually about, about the little, little
0: blue, man. the little blue men. Yes, which I, I find really fascinating from Native American lore. Yes, they talk like about Native Americans talk about,
1: yeah. Native Americans talk about little people a lot, like to the point that it's a universally shared myth, just like Sasquatch, just like sabe. You know, uh, it, it's the same. It's the same uh, in realism. It's the same uh, importance. They're as fearsome. They're as afraid of them. They're as intimidated by the little people as they are the Bigfoot as they are the, the, the Sasquatch. Um, like I said, size doesn't matter. The foreignness, the alienness of it. And like I said, not Indians aren't nice people. This is something you tell though, to people like you should respect them. You should consider them a threat. They will fuck you up. They might be six inches tall. They will fuck you up. You know, type thing. it reminds
0: of me pretty, very much of like Gulliver's travels.
1: Le- or leprechauns, yeah. <laughs> leprechauns, <laughs> yeah. the Irish have a saying, yeah. uh, Through the glens, we dare not go hunting for fear of little men. They were talking about this tribe. They become the fae folk. That the tribes of people range from literally six inch tall, um, you know, fae folk types. And there are mummies. There are mummies that were discovered that are only six inch. Atacama man, the most recent one. Stephen Greer's Atacama man, which is from the Atacama desert. A little six inch tall uh, mummy that's not, fascinating man and goes all the way to the men who died and became mountain ranges and, yeah. the, and there was a lot of people who talk about like the uh, mud fossil university uh youtube channel talks about it a lot people who are really into this subject of giants knew about this nephilim know about this that there are mountain ranges that are very clearly human bodies human informed bodies there are also animal mountain ranges etc but there are Faces in the stone. When they died, their bodies became calcified and became stone. You can see like faces in the Grand Canyon, etc. And this is where a lot of it becomes because a lot of these guys are dead. Uh, most of them are extinct, except for the Solomon Island ones, etc. Like you know, most of the places there aren't giants anymore. They were rare to begin with. The Yeti were rarer by one to ten, a factor of one to ten, because the bigger you are, the rarer you are. And and, in much the same way with as little as you are. People uh, range in the billions, yes. And these, not necessarily so much. So there could be one billion max Yeti in the world, right? Compared to our seven billion. And we'd only rule, um, out of the 15% of possible land, I would say less than 5% of it is continuously, constantly occupied by mankind. So this one billion... Has much room to hide in. And yeah. the Colorado Rockies are an area of infinite possibility when it comes to um, internal area, hollowing out mountains, building tunnels, finding valleys, finding ravines, finding crags uh, to hide into, uh, plateaus, mesas. And it's all 100% protected by the US government security apparatus. It just says, That's- you know what? only we are able to access this land this is an air force base now this is where we're going to fly and do recon and stuff like that get out and really the only way you can see it is by spy plane or by satellite like the canadian shield um if you really think about it, there are no roads that go into any of these forests there are no in, there's no infrastructure that goes anywhere near these areas now this would explain why they rely on airships and why Sasquatch Yeti has been seen on UFOs and has been seen flying in various capacities by other people who want to get, like who want to actually express themselves um, it's because they have to rely on these things these high-tech ways of travel to continue to exist in the state of living that they do that's they're not primitive exactly. they're not going to go back into a state of stone age life they have, um...
0: Do you have any information on uh, – because the next place we, – we just had filmed and finished our documentary uh, that we were looking for Sasquatch, and, uh, basically outside of Mount Hood. Uh, but from Mount Hood, the next uh, documentary that we're planning on doing is that we're going to be investigating – well, I don't know if this is going to be the next one. We might do uh, ghosts, but the one that we were really discussing was uh, – um, discussing um, like UFOs and orbs. And we were considering going to Mount Adams, if you know where that is. Yeah. So, and that is like, that's what we had heard from Mount hood to Mount Adams is what the first sighting of a UFO in the United States, like confirmed sighting. Um, And that is super fascinating. Do you have any information on uh, Mount hood to Mount Adams?
1: Yes. I was going to suggest Mount Adams. Mount Adams is very, very important to you to both ufology and the world of uh sasquatchology bigfoot bigfoot research because the incident that happened at mount adams very recently happened uh was recorded by dr j and i'm spacing on the second guy's name but he's a very important british bigfoot researcher um, this guy's been to China. He's been. He works in. Literally, he's a lawyer. He's an attorney. He works in court. He under, He's a rational, smart, badass guy. Right, little British guy. And on Mount Adams, they saw together. Dr. J had already known about this, uh, but he had proved to this guy, who's rather a skeptic, rather a hardline skeptic when it comes to Bigfoot. Right, you know, he sees it for himself. Uh, that portals. That they were using portals to to locate to to mobilize. And that bigfoot was opening portals and using and stepping out of portals and using portals to walk through in both directions now this was filmed they filmed this they took photos of this multiple people saw this over the course of several nights this was a big big deal in the whole world of sasquatch uh, research but has been memory holed and has been obviously covered up because like in ufos uaps they just want you to always ask the same questions over and over and over again without any getting any answers and thus never making any progress, right? And that's what I was saying. It, it, that ties in perfectly. The Bigfoots use high technology to travel. They're not walking around. What I was gonna say is they use UFOs. That's why when Bigfoot, when people see UFOs in the woods, they often see Bigfoot. They often see Sasquatch. They travel, they use these high tech methods of traveling, even if they walk in very low tech ways around very, like, very what we think is just the woods is actually a very beautiful and like spiritual. And I say it's a very important, I would take a spaceship to go walk around the woods. I would. Well, I gotta take a spaceship right to the heart of a forest to walk around where no man has ever walked before, right? That sounds badass. And that's what I'm saying. They take portals, they open up portals to walk through the woods. That's not, a, that's, it's not contradictory to say why use something high tech to do that. Why, what else would you use it for? They opened these portals at will. And they even saw that the portals on the other side had a world behind them as well. And with creatures that they saw and said look like smaller chimpanzees or chimpanzee size, smaller black creatures that were guarding the portal until the Bigfoot could conduct his business. This was uh, two members, Doctor J, and uh, the second. Let's say this guy was a, is an attorney. He is not one to make things up. His reputation is on the line. This was filmed and documented by them both, and this was absolutely in line with what I'm saying. And I hope you guys see it too at Mount Adams. That maybe you guys will see it. Like Mount Shasta is a good place to go find uh, entrances into Telos, the underground city. That's but it's very well guarded right now. It's very much like. Everyone wants to go to Mount Shasta. There's like festivals. It's very monetized. It's very, um, you know, it's very much like 10, 20 years ago, Mount Shasta would have been absolutely where you want to go. But Mount Adams, I think, is the new Mount Shasta.
0: Dude, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And, dude, when I was there, it's just, especially if you go in the summer. And uh, so maybe this was just my, you know, experience there. But, like, we went there two years ago for uh, me and my wife went there for our anniversary and, like, I guess it's used a lot for, like, cross-country skiing during the winter. But during the summer, we were the only motherfuckers on the mountain. There mm-hmm. was no one out there. And it was beautiful. And just, dude, I've never seen such beauty, natural beauty, than than out there, man. It's absolutely gorgeous. And it's remote as hell. And there's no one out there.
1: And you drove your car there, didn't you? Which is why mm-hmm. I went was- people to realize that yeah as a bigfoot if you had access to ufo technology and high tech uh ways of traveling like opening portals and even if that was well in your range of possibility to fly into space etc you would possibly still choose that forest because that it's a choice the way they live the way they look is a choice because to them it's beautiful and to them it's like heaven on earth. it's like they're, you, you know, that's that's the thing Bigfoot loves the most. And it's the reason why they're always pushing it. I say, like, there's a reason why they push to protect the forest. Why they protect these forests. Uh, not from loggers. I mean, when's the last time you cut down a tree in the National Forest? But think about it. It's illegal to take a rock. It's illegal to uh, disturb any parts of these forests. It's because these highly sophisticated... And equal creatures, like equal people, like us, would get super pissed, and we don't want that. That's fascinating, man.
0: I want to touch back on just because it's my—it's one of my favorite shows. Let's talk about SG One. Uh, I want to talk about too, uh, dude. The Gwolds look almost identical to the Demiurge.
1: Yes, that is Boy- so.
0: <laughs> that's so funny.
1: <laughs> What's fucking hilarious and what's weird too is that the, the Ga'ul um, okay. So the Ga'ul uh, originally were not the snakes. They in the movie they are represented as a shape shifting, like reptilian creature. If you want, do you remember the movie? I
0: haven't seen the movie yet. I'm just watching the whole series first, the, and then we the were going to watch the movies.
1: Yeah, the movie is is get uh, with a. Uh, Kurt Russell and with uh, keeper with uh, Dave Sutherland and um, you know it's it's really badass that uh, at the end of it they they kill the raw they kill the Gaul and you see him transform into his original alien form and it's not the Ga'ul serpent that they would go with in the show. The and, worm, and the, yeah, yeah, the worm and the parasite. Yeah, but it, it's very uh, when you see it, it's very reptilian. It's very much a lizard. It's very much like he's got little sharp teeth and everything. It's one. Of those, it's only on there for a second. So when you get it, like the Blue Way uh, DVD, when you find it online, you'll be able to pause it and see for yourself. But man, like they should have kept it. They should have kept that. That is, that, you know, I, I believe the Ga'ul are 100% a metaphor for the reptilians, the shapeshifter reptilians. And in that first film, they're like, it's the first film is like right on the money, right on the money. And then they had to keep with the show because there's so much more to explain you've seen the asgard who are the greys represented in the show as the greys and they they act like vikings they act like gods who but like a different kind of god like a a god that's like will fight the other egyptian evil gods and this is what we're talking about this is the whole um the whole layers of it it's familiar once you actually see space these extraterrestrials these spaceships that they use it's intimately familiar in terms of ancient history. It's intimately familiar in terms of human culture, like like um, dragons alone. Once you see a Draco with the wings out, uh, you know, expanding in the face and the 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 energy weapons that they use, it is a dragon spinning fire. I mean, that is exactly one hundred percent what I hope to kind of in you know, like uh, to get across is that yeah, like. Ancient Aliens, absolutely right. Stargate SG One, 100% disclosure, 100%. They Ga'ul, wool too. Uh, before we all go for the two hours, uh, there was a channel, a YouTube channel. i will plug him, Florida Mackey. Florida Mackey, great guy, great channel, a lot of great work uh, publishes on YouTube. So you can find him on there, Florida Mackey Shadow Band, just like us. He does Antarctica videos where he looks at google maps pictures of antarctica and then finds weird shit zooms into it and shows you what they're showing it's not even censored it's just right there he's just using the fucking website right he's like hey go to this site here's the coordinates it's right here he found a 100 foot long sea serpent in a lake in antarctica that looks exactly like a Gaoul, exactly like a Gaoul. the face prongs The long body, the fins on the back, the aquatic nature, the beady little black eyes. It looked exactly like a gaul. It's 100 feet long. It's available from, uh, I think, you know, they've already censored it now on Google Maps, but you can find that video in its archives and everything. And I'll send you, I have the photo. I'll send you because I've already screenshotted it. Yeah, please. I'll send you. And it's fucking crazy how uh, much this thing looks like a gaul. So, you know, they are real. I, I would have to say Stargate SG-1 was, even its most outlandish things, It uh, it's it's more real than people think. Dude, is his- there's I- this one
0: episode that I'm like, it, 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 to me, like, there's so much disclosure in this stuff, man. It's uh, like one, the one that I like to point out is like there's this alien culture that they meet that promises them like to double their lifespan if they take this jab, Right. And so they do it and it sterilizes their entire population. And yep. so then, then they're able to go in and invade them. And I'm just like, man, if that isn't like pure symbolism of what these, whatever these elites are that are trying to do to us, you know, they're like, yep. Now yeah, you want to live? Yeah, just take this. And
1: yeah, the and so- uh, Bigfoot Sasquatch is actually represented in that show as uh, the Pharyngeans or Pharyngeans or something. They're a. Uh, Population of species that looks Primitive they got like twigs in their Hair and shit they live like like they're Fucking like wearing just like dirt They live yeah. in a forest okay I, I remember Everyone them, yeah. thinks they're retarded like you know Colonel O'Neill's like these guys are just dumb Like why are they, they don't even they can't even talk And the people are like you know like oh you want to eat like You're hungry and like and stuff like that And then but they actually are super sophisticated They have a mothership sitting there Completely invisible and Everything and it's the way that they Choose to present themselves as these, yeah, simple, they were doing like, this
0: energy healing and they were doing all this yeah. stuff, and then, yeah, in that episode, the ghoul they're coming to like attack them, and they were like, Don't do that. And, like, anyway, it's long story short, humanity has guns, and they're like, They shoot and kill someone, and that's when they were like, Yeah, we're done with you. Yeah, we yeah, can't. Exactly. We can't. <laughs>
1: that that they, they would choose no, they choose non violence, they were choosing. Like, even to even though they were enemies, they were like, No, they're not they're not our enemies. Like, they they think they're our enemies. like they were peaceful, you know. What I'm saying they're peaceful, non-violent, pacifist, spiritual, super uh enlightened beings that look like you know, fairies and forest people and like say they, they look like they didn't have shit, they look like they lived like in mud huts, like Frodo, and they, you know they didn't like the Yoda, like how Yoda presented themselves. I know. Uh, everyone can understand the language of star wars you know you go to dagobah you go to the swamp and yoda is just you know this little guy he's poor he doesn't have anything glitzy that man is a jedi warrior you know he understands spaceships he understands space travel he understands all the different species of the universe he's seen more than you will ever see type thing and it's it's literally our egotism that blinds us to the fact that different beings can be different sizes and literally choose the simple life and it doesn't make their species or their own un- intelligence any less you know and like you said there are many europeans who when they saw the native americans just took off all their clothes like Fuck this shit i'm gonna go live with the natives and obviously to say that that was the primitive option is to it's to not get it yet it's not get the choice that we are the fools because we are so addicted to all the bullshit that they left behind. We're addicted
0: to the bullshit and we are addicted to this like weird debt-based society that like you yeah. think – like it's so – it's fucking gross, dude. Like you exactly. literally can never even own your own home. Like after you've paid it off to the bank, like with the mortgage, like that's your death agreement, like that mortgage, that death contract that yeah. you signed with the bank, and it's this amount of money that maybe you'll be able to pay back in your entire lifetime, you'll be able to pay it back, and so you finally own your home. Well, you never actually own your home because the government says you still have to pay taxes on it, and if you don't, they'll come in and just take it. Yeah, so What's it's like weird? Yeah, this weird society that we've chose to live in that like we that every single thing that we own own and all these these amenities that we have are really they're just fucking they're handcuffs man we're in, we created this jail exactly. cell and we're choosing to live in it
1: exactly uh another way of thinking about it, the way i always think about it is that we look at a bigfoot and we think oh this guy or this thing must be have nothing it's not even wearing shoes but we don't even stop and think what our shoes truly cost us. For us to go hiking in gear that was made in China, that was made in Indonesia, to have backpacks and camp gear and you know, tents and like the bug spray and things like that. Like what that really symbolizes. We we can't just be free like they are. We can't just be in the zone in the moment. We have to we have to go on vacation when someone allows us to, and then we have to work and save money to go on this vacation. We have to pay to go to the park. Like this is what people are failing to understand is I have to pay to get a fish out of the river get a license. (laughs) I have to get a license and then buy a pole. And I didn't even make the pole. So I'm like, he's like, it's fiberglass and the fiberglass that, That is no connection. We
0: don't know how to make a damn pole. We don't know how to make it. Yeah. I mean, we probably use uh, a fishing line. We'd use like sinew from an animal that we killed ourselves that, you know, and that would be also the string for our bow that we, you know, a tree that we cut down and we know nothing about it anymore.
1: I think that's both the reason why we will never be able to be on the level Of the Sasquatch to find him for him to respect us enough to reveal himself on that survival level. But also, I think that's the reason why the Sasquatch even goes to the woods to also connect with his roots to connect with that too, to find themselves how we need to find ourselves. I said, I think the parks, if I honestly ran the parks and I was trying to improve everybody's life, you know, whether they liked it or not, once you got to the park. Strip naked, leave your clothes behind a locker. That's what the park is for: is to keep your shit okay as you go walk around bare ass naked near a creek somewhere. And exactly, we'll keep you. We'll make sure you guys are all playing nice. Here's a bag like, no, full of
0: mushrooms. Is- yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> go touch some grass. Go
1: touch some fucking grass. Yeah, that's what it is. It's not a place where you're like, no, you can't go off the trail. Uh, don't put rocks in your pockets. Uh, you know, no. It, uh, take only pictures, leave only footprints. You go make a fire. You go, it's going to get cold tonight. You're, you're losing daylight, so you better hurry up. <laughs> it's like, you know, somebody's there getting all the good wood. Someone's going to get all the good wood. So you got to go and, re- and That's what the Bigfoot does. He parks his UFO, cloaks it, goes out, walks around barefoot, releases that pin-up aggression, releases that pinup, you know, yells, gets it off his chest, spends a couple of nights out there, remembers what life's really all about, what the world is all about, And it's, he's no,
0: he's, he's, you know, Mike, if I had some money, man, this would be a lot of fun to make a summer camp for kids called like Sasquatch camp. And we go and we just like live like wild men for like a couple weeks. And maybe even we try to talk to Sasquatch, you know, at some point we probably build a rapport and relationship with him, And yeah,
1: it's super clear. It's It's not a chaotic, (laughs) destructive thing. It's not a chaotic, destructive thing. It's not a dark side thing. It's like a, you know, there's a reason why Buddhist monks live in the woods. There's a reason why our highest intellectual, spiritual people—monks, Christian monks, uh, hermits—you know—they go into the woods. They go into the nature. They go in back to God. They go back like a, a John the Baptist, eating locusts and living in the river, living in the wild wilderness in the deserts, rock honey and locusts, like um, Elijah. You know, you live in the caves. You go into uh, like Moses. You go into the country. You go away from society you go away from these materialistic values if you want to find God if you want to find that connection to the divine everyone 100% across the world knows this and yet it can't be sold it can't be bought it has to be understood and that's why you'll never see it um, on TV you'll never see that the closest you'll get is like Survivor Man and stuff like that and God bless that yeah, dude. And they try Either to way. make
0: it scary too they're like look how terrifying it is yeah, that's exactly naked exactly and it. afraid, you know, naked and
1: afraid, exactly. Yeah. That's what you have to be afraid. You have to be, uh, nature's these guys enemy. Are fucking crazy. Look what they're nature's doing. Nature's your enemy. That's what they yeah. want 100% tell you is yeah. that be afraid of nature. Um, in fact, you don't have to go there because we have these guys going there and watch how hard it is. Watch it through your TV, watch the commercials, stick around for the commercials, and buy our streaming service $7.99 for Discovery Plus. You know, that's what they want. They want you to be like, oh, nature. (laughs) I know nature. I just watched it last night. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, we need to all get out there and stop get off our fucking asses. And even if it's just to go fishing, even if it's just to go uh, walk in a park, uh, next time you walk in a park, take your shoes off. Just do it. Just try it out. You'll see that that you'll start opening up a lot of doors mentally you'll start creating a lot of synapses we'll get a lot of that lifeblood back into your own uh invigoration and everything like that because because that's the built puzzle is that that how are we gonna how are we all gonna give up at the same time how are we all gonna give up on this in the same times so no one's blamed for right like okay on the count of five we all just walk out <laughs> just walk out how are we all going to get to it starts small it starts with telling people just to take off their shoes and to walk around and to take uh inspiration from bigfoot take inspiration from sasquatch because i think there's a lot to be you know a lot to be learned there is there's a lot to be learned from just them just how they live how they choose to walk and live
0: all right my friend we're i gotta get going uh, thank you so much, Mike. This was a lot of fun. We're going to have to do a part three. We might have to do a part four, or part five. Uh, this is so much fun. Uh, no, bro.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, bro. Next time we'll talk about the Astar High Command. I hope, uh, I'll clarify a lot of that. Hell um, yeah, man. I feel, yeah, uh, dude, I'm
0: learning a lot. I'm taking lots of notes.
1: Yeah, this is fun, man. Absolutely. Enjoy my time here. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, beyond Top Secret Texan. Find me on linktree slash beyond Top Secret Texan. Uh, all my social media posting a lot on, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Go find me on, uh, my podcast pod slash beyond top secret Texan or anywhere. I Heart radio, Spotify, uh, you know, Pandora, uh, overcast breaker a dozen other podcast services. I'm on, uh, go check it out. Check out the past episodes. Uh, if I've, you know, sparked your curiosity, Chances are I've already made an episode on it and I've talked about it for a couple of hours. So feel free to either ask me about, uh, it on my DMS, et cetera. You can DM me or go and, uh, you know, search it on the, on the pod page search bar and everything like that. Hundreds of episodes on the podcast, 500 plus on YouTube. So appreciate you guys who, you know, for jumping on and, uh, uh, listeners new and old alike. Thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. Uh, Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Absolutely, brother. Cheers, man. No problem, man. Thank you very much.